Welcome back to Hardcover Hooligans. I'm Danilo. Mac. Yes? What are you going to do after we're done with this series? Now that you um, have your life back? Uh, yeah, but it, it, it feels irreparably changed, so I think I'm just going <laughs> to I think I'm just going to end it all. I, I know I have a lot to deal with. I, like, don't trust my own taste anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's certainly been a lesson in a evaluating what you think is good versus what tricks you <laughs> like <laughs> like i don't know how many movies i've seen where I, I walk away being like oh that was awesome but it was really just like the last 20 minutes that were okay and the rest of it was I've bad <laughs> did i enjoy it or have i been tricked yeah <laughs> yeah and i don't know and i'm not willing to do a, a self-examination of the things i like so i'm just going to go through life blind because mistborn has shown me uh, the trenches. <laughs> you just have to have faith, Mac. You do. You, you know, just have Caesar to have faith right. that everything is good and you don't really have to change anything or do anything different. Yeah, it turns out uh, God was inside you all along. And it'll all take care of itself. So why you need to have a book with a plot when it all just will work out at the end because that's how books work. Yeah, don't worry about that. We set up a bunch of stuff, and then uh, in the last 20 pages, it all comes to fruition. And uh, the internet has cultured people into thinking that that's a unique thing that Brandon Sanderson does. No, it's because he's a terrible writer. That's why he does it. And that that's a good thing to do, is to have nothing happen for an entire book, and then have a whole book happen in 20 pages. <laughs> <laughs> that's not good. That's not good. <laughs> no, avalanches are... They refer to it aptly, though, as the... At Sander Lanch or whatever, because mm-hmm. uh, they kill it, an avalanche. You will die in, and they're unpleasant <laughs> and uh, uh, destructive to the surrounding ecology. So <laughs> I agree with that. I'm buried in the countless Sander Lanches that I have <laughs> been subjected to, and there's no rescue team coming to dig me up. <laughs> <laughs> they all quit their jobs when they heard what happened to you. They're not coming. <laughs> He brought it on himself by reading all these Brandon Anderson books. <laughs> okay, so uh, we finished, finally, the Mistborn trilogy. The first Mistborn trilogy. Uh, there is a second one, but I don't, I don't care. Uh, how do you feel about being done with this book and at the end of this book? Just some initial broad reactions. Um, well, in the first episode... Or... Maybe the last episode of the uh, first book. So one of us said it feels like waiting for the train to arrive. Um, and uh, that's just what it feels like. It just feels like you're waiting for something to happen, and then it does, and then you get to go home. <laughs> it's like not like a fun surprise party, or it's not, you know, you win the lottery. It's just the train arrived, and you went to your destination. It's like, you know that that gif of... Like that truck fly like flying straight at that pole. Yeah. And it's like cut. So it's like yeah. constantly about to hit it. Yeah. And like it's on a loop. So you think like you're gonna watch it hit it and you're like you've been watching it for a little bit. Yeah. It's like that for eighteen hundred pages. And then yeah. by the end it hit by the end the truck hits and you're just relieved. And you're relieved because you're finally dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Well, how do you feel on a reread? How do you feel I'm about that? I'm just glad to be done. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the most powerful feeling is the relief that it, I never have to read the words again. I read it when I read it the first time. I liked it because I was like, that was a satisfying ending. All the pieces came together very quickly. <laughs> um, 
very quickly. On the reread, there is nothing here. No. Like, as a piece of literature or even like i mean we'll get to it in like a piece of self-expression about what brandon sanderson thinks about the world and feels is important whether that's all in there on purpose uh is an open question but it's sure interesting because you know all all books and pieces of art are reflections of their creators that's just a thing about art we learn we read to learn about other people and other minds and connect with them Brandon Sanderson doesn't seem to be interested in that part of books, but this book, these books, I think, accomplish that anyway, which is, I guess, kind of interesting. Yeah, the I just it's important to make clear that specifically the the seeping through of Brandon Sanderson's worldview is what it, what is interesting. That worldview is not interesting. It is very like, yes. childlike and uh, uh, biased and biased and not willing to engage with important questions we've been talking about this whole series like how whenever you know it was really mostly in the first book but like he doesn't have the writing ability to write like a morally gray story or the curiosity to really examine what that means examine it yeah so none of that none of that stuff is is in here and the questions that do get raised like by the characters in the book about class and power and religion are seriously like if if a six-year-old came to me i'd be like wow that's that's really wow good for you for like questioning that (laughs) a little pat on the head like yeah huh like that kid is gonna grow up to be smart but like Mm -hmm. brandon just at 25 was like wait a minute no he's 32 no i know but when he wrote was he 32 when he wrote this mistborn Uh book oh my god (laughs) I want to. I want to be good about facts here, so I'm going to look this up. He is 33 when he wrote this book. He wrote all of the Mistborn books in his 30s. Wow. Yeah. So that's something. Um, we will get into more about what we are psychological deconstruction of Brandon Sanderson through <laughs> these books. I don't know. Like that's the only yeah, way we can really like. think about it. Uh, we'll first talk about what happens in the second part of this book. So we left Vin. She was trapped in a cave, and her her older abusive older brother had just appeared to her in this cave. In the meantime, Ellen is like working on trying to not invade the city or come to some agreement. Sazed is in Erto with Spook, and they're, like, trying to find a way to overthrow the citizen, a.k.a. Quellian, who's, like, in charge of the city and sort of ruling it with an iron fist. Danilo, I have a, I have a lore question that I forgot. Yeah. Is uh, Erto uh, the former home of the Ventures? I don't know. Or is that... I don't think it's important. The, the Well, they do mention it a lot. Is that the... Or is it the one that Yeoman is Phaedrex in charge of? City? Yeah. I think, but like Set ruled Phaedrex City. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember either. I just remember the, I, I, the reason I'm asking is because I thought that uh, there was like some specific reason why, I can't remember why Spook is in Orto to begin with. Oh, so this, <laughs> Spook's plot line is largely uh, irrelevant to this, this <laughs> yeah. book. Um, and he's only there to like collect information. 
Oh, just vaguely get information? I think so. Like, I don't think there's even a... Oh, no, he's supposed to find about the... Sto- he's collect information and, like, found out about the storage cache. And they eventually like, get the storage cache, remember? Right, because, yes, now and I There's a bunch of water down there right. and all that stuff. Yeah. Street slots. Street slots. <laughs> that sounds like a game you play in a casino. Yeah, yeah. Not an empty canal that you walk in. <laughs> there's just a bully. There's just pull tabs in an empty canal. That's what street slots is. <laughs> hey, kid, I want to play some street slots. <laughs> Get away from me. <laughs> Count the skulls. That's Brandon Sanderson if he never wrote Mistborn. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he's, he's probably never gambled in his entire life. Oh, yeah. There's no... I, this is not important. I just was realized uh, there's no like uh, <laughs> entertainment never gets brought up once <laughs> in there's any no, of these books. There's like no alcohol. No, yeah, I know. There, yeah, there's I, no substances. People like don't eat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they don't eat and they don't fuck each other and and they can only kiss when they get married. They don't have any fun. There's no <laughs> entertainment. <laughs> However, Utah of him. Uh, okay, so. Yeah, Sazed and Spook and some other people are trying to, like, overthrow the citizen. And their whole plan is because now Spook has this reputation of, like, saving people and being a hero. He's the survivor of the flames. They're going to use his reputation to be like, we'll bring back the water to the canals. And that'll be, like, a show that he's powerful and they'll discredit Quellian slash the citizen somehow. And that's, yeah, like, give, the plan. Yeah, who gives a fuck about the water and the canals? Like, I don't what? know. It's there for it, it. It's did it? Are the citizens under the impression that like magically all the water just disappeared? I think so. <laughs> in the lore, this whole there's no plot. It's all no lore no. detective work. Yeah. Um, the citizens. So like, it said mysteriously a while ago, the water dried up. We find out. The Lord Ruler diverted it into this underground cavern in the storage cache so that there's enough fresh water to, like, survive this apocalyptic event. But it wouldn't going be fresh through. because it's stagnating in a cave. Shh, quiet, quiet. <laughs> <laughs> but there's some way it comes out and comes in. I don't know. But, like, wouldn't, wouldn't the ash get in? I don't know. So the whole plan is they, like, build mechanism to, like, refill the canals it ends up really not mattering at all. But then it does matter. It's incredibly important because the city bursts into flames. Well, yeah, but the fact this, but and then it puts out the city. But then the, that whole plot line is so Spook can send a letter that never gets right. to where it's supposed to get to, and that's and the, the only thing important that happens. And, and the only reason that the water needs to be there at all is for some bullshit reason that makes no sense. But as to give them something to do, as the writing, it's because the city is going to burn down and they need to be heroes. Yeah, but they, there's no way the characters know that. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know the best the best way to discredit a leader you don't like is to like have a vigilante pretend he's a miracle worker like and also if you're the owner of like a propaganda machine that controls an entire city what's to stop him from just taking credit for it anyway whatever we can't (laughs) we could be here all day yeah i know um so that's where we left everyone uh so what happens in the rest of the book vin is a prisoner reen her older brother is like an apparition of Ruin, the big bad guy. Um, and basically, Ruin just talks to Vin for most of this whole time as Vin is imprisoned. And so Vin's whole 
thread is she's imprisoned and then like she gets she like drugs herself to get taken to a new cell she like talks to yeoman who is the obligator in charge of phaedric city and yeoman is like upset that she killed lord ruler and still believes lord ruler's alive um and vin thinks that's crazy how could you believe in something uh, that doesn't make any sense. That you, the don't guy's proof, dead. that you don't have any proof for. And like we said before, so Vin spends most of her time as a pri- in the prison, and it's like it's her like logically trying to figure out like, well, if the bad guy's talking to me and trying to keep me captured, then that must mean I can do something to stop it. So I have to figure out what that is. Yeah, lots of characters just talking, trying to figure stuff out so that they can do something. It's relentlessly boring. Uh, and like Sazed, he's like doing office work to like build these canal things, <laughs> and it's not important. Ten soon, the Kandra. This is the other plot line. He he he'd left the Kandra homeland, and now it's just going around the continent looking for Vin, and that's his whole thing. And that sort of takes up takes us up right. To the end. Yeah, it really does. (laughs) Right to like the last 20 pages. So it's the chain of events is Vin finds out that Ruin needs the Adium. So they've been looking for this Adium for this whole trilogy. One of the only through lines. Um, It's revealed that Adium is like the body of the god Ruin. So Ruin's like not at full power until it like has the adium which is why the lord ruler was trying to hide it and the adium is re- like regenerative on its own right it yeah, just it like, like seeps out of, like, yeah it like like they mine it but it like sort of like seeps out of the ground really slowly which is like the mechanism in place to keep ruin from becoming all powerful over yeah. the centuries and millennia so vin figures that out just figures out the rune needs the adium so she escapes and then, like, bluffs that she knows where the Adium is to, like, try to force Ruin to show its hand. And and her bluff it is uh, important because she, in this section, she is like, oh, I need to draw upon the, the mists to become super powerful. So I'm going to put myself into a position where I am. Right. She, she thinks that what is uh, allowing her... And this, I actually don't think is dumb. This is like a, this makes sense for her character to think this, is that whenever she's in really big trouble, uh, she's able to draw upon the mists and and gain incredible power. And so yep. she's like, oh, maybe I can beat Ruin or distract him long enough if I put myself into a terrible situation and then draw upon the mists again. And so she hopes that like, She'll lead all of the Inquisitors to her when she uh, leaves Phaedric. Uh, yeah, leaves Phaedrix. Yeah, uh, and attracts Ruin's attention. But her plan is is uh, hilariously stupid, and it's dumb that Ruin falls for it because she goes right to <laughs> Luthadel, and Ruin even says like, "It's not here." <laughs> like, then why did you follow? Then why did you follow her? Then why did you do that? But whatever. Uh, Elend during this whole time is like doing nothing. He's like, yeah. "Do we attack? Do we not attack?" <laughs> And no. then he, he no he he goes he's like we need more coloss for this army yeah um and he goes and like like rage kills a bunch of coloss 
It's really cringy. <laughs> it's like because really he's like lame. angry that he can't do anything, or angry that like he's been put into a position where he has to use power to make stuff happen. Yeah, he has to make like, choices. It's like you decided to be the emperor. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know why you're. Anyway, uh, before he before he does that though, just a funny thing I wanted to point out: uh, <laughs> the mist fallen. Because of course there needs to be another name for a group of people, and I, I, I the mist fallen are the people who. Uh, I can't remember if we talked about this last time, but... Yeah, the uh, mist starts killing people, like, yeah. at the beginning of this book. Yeah. Well, in the last book, but also they just... Also, also, just, also just starts here, but it was <laughs> yeah, already anyway, happening. Whatever. Um, but Ellen is like, oh, we need to p- put every single person in the army in the mists, and then uh, that way, when we inevitably have to fight in the mists, those people uh, won't die anymore. Because you only ever get, like, sick once, and then you're fine. Yeah, and then like you're cu- then you're inoculated against, and then it. just yeah. kill some people, and uh, some this yeah, is- some people it doesn't affect some people it like they fall sick for a little bit, and then and some people it kills sixteen percent of whatever group uh, is yeah, that was like a big gets revelation sick. at the last section. Like it's always sixteen percent. Yeah, because sixteen percent fall sick, sixteen percent die and then they stay six for like 16 days or something like that and and that is because there are 16 medals for real is that right or no i mean yeah there is 16 medals but they only only get 14 um so anyway that's just a felt like we needed to say that because that's important at the end when we will learn that there's two more medals but uh ellen uh comes to the realization because captain demu lets him know that uh like the mist fallen, the people who got sick, not the people who died, obviously. The ones who got sick are being like prejudiced or like ostracized. Like, yeah, ostracized from the army. Because they think like the mists betrayed them. Uh, but yes, they because like they all believe in like Kelsier's Church of the Survivor and he liked the mists. And but so, mists, like, because the mists hurt them, they are true believers, and so but, it causes this recover. whole fake tension in the army. But they recover from the mist sickness, so if I would assume that they would have the opinion that, like, oh, the mists have made them stronger, and, like, tested them, and they've survived. But no, they think if you got sick and then got fine, that means you're a heathen. Anyway, a soldier punches one of the mist fallen, who is a general, and Instantly, Ellen's like, "We got to execute that guy." <laughs> I couldn't yeah, believe it, it. Insane! I know. I I laughed out loud. <laughs> so did I. And he like decides to execute him. We never see it, and there are no repercussions for it. Yeah, yeah. Like, like the dog. We can't have the armies. It's like a fake tension to make it seem like something's happening. Like the army's falling apart because some people are getting sick and some people aren't. Um, it ends up not being relevant and not mattering at all. No, it doesn't matter. But that could, I think that guy does actually get executed. Yeah. <laughs> Which is hilarious. <laughs> and Ellen is But it like, happens off screen. It happens off screen. And Ellen is 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 kind of conflicted about power, but so quick to execute somebody who just shows <laughs> a little bit of sedition. <laughs> so Vin tries to get herself in trouble. Marsh is like chasing her. At this point, like Ruin has totally um, like possessed control of Marsh, and the whole thing is like if you have these metal spikes in you, Ruin can like in it's some it's like a gradation of influence your thoughts slash actually control your mind, and it's sort of not clear where yeah, that. Yeah, no, it's not. He influences your thoughts so hard he sort of puppets your body. Yeah, um, but Marsh catches Vin. This is, like, right at the end of the book. Um, Marsh catches Vin and is, like, 
ruins like speaking through Marsh and is like torturing Vin. Like it was pretty gruesome. He's like, I just like takes her arm and like snaps it in half, like, takes yeah, her leg and snaps her it in half. Um, but like one second later, she draws on the mists <laughs> because the big reveal is that mists are the body of preservation, which is the opposite force of ruin. And uh, Vin's earring. Is, oh yes, that's uh, right. That's right. Vin's earring that in the first book she was like, I'm not going to wear this. My crazy mom gave it to me. And Kelsey's like, no, it looks really cool. You should wear it all the time. Uh, <laughs> the, the earring she's been wearing the whole time is one of the metal spikes that Ruin uses to control people. And the times Vin has been able to draw on the mists were the only two times she wasn't wearing the earring. So that's a lo- it's a big long con from the first book. Which is, if this was done better actually pretty cool because there, in, in a moment where there is actually like subtext that you get to explore you would imagine that ruin was also possessing her mother uh yeah and, well, and then drove and the it spike says like yeah her ruin ear. drove her mom crazy yeah and like did the hemallergy blood magic killed her sister to give her more powers like the whole thing is like ruin has been puppeting this whole thing the entire time now which is kind of insane and makes you wonder then why do we care about anything that happened until this point but we can talk about that later (laughs) uh yeah there's just something when this was revealed i had a i was really i had a question why would why would Ruin want to limit Vin's ability to kill the Lord Ruler, a person that Ruin is trying to kill and needs to be dead to come back in the first place? I don't know. Uh, also, I think it's revealed here that the Lord Ruler actually wasn't bad at all. He was being corrupted by Ruin the whole time. Yes. We'll talk about how uh, no one bad is actually bad. They're just corrupted <laughs> by evil force. And how that's totally just cool. like Satan and <laughs> but anyway, <Yeah. laughs> uh, so Vin picks up all the mists in the whole world because they're like the body of this now dead god. Early on, it's revealed that like preservation, the opposite god of ruin, has like died in a hilarious uh, scene. I just I have to talk oh, about yeah, that. Oh yeah, hilarious. <laughs> okay, we gotta talk about it. Well, another thing that Ellen does is have a conversation when he's by himself. <laughs> yeah, one of many. He kills he all the Kolos and gets depressed and is like, "Oh, this is so pointless." And he like sits down in a, in like a like a like a man with the weight on his shoulders has driven him to the ground, and he <laughs> can't. He's done nothing and made yeah, he no decisions. Do, he executed one guy and seemed pretty cool about it. That's the only. He thing didn't he's even done. execute him. He just ordered for his execution. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> oh, I want to say before this when he's killing the Kolos, this is a small detail, and he like is like killing them all and. Also, I don't know why, because he's so powerful, he couldn't have just done this to every army. It seemed like it wasn't that hard to just totally no. kill a bunch of It seems us. like it's very easy. Yeah. Um, but he, like, just totally rips through them, and it's, like, blood and gore and insane, and he's, like, angry and disgusted with himself. And he's in this village that was being attacked, and the, some villager's like, it's you, isn't it? And he's like, who? Oh, yeah. And then the villager's like, the Lord Ruler. And Philan's like... Might as well be. And then he flies off. <laughs> He's trying so hard to be conflicted. Anyway, very yeah, cringe moment it, that makes it no is sense. Stupid. And then now he goes. He's by himself and talks to the mist spirit. Well, talks I say, to. I say talks <laughs> in big quotation marks. the the whole The whole thing about the mist spirit is the god preservation, and it can't directly speak to people because it's so weak. Because it's given up, you know, part of its body and soul to like 
help people slash create humanity. Anyway. Even though preservation is not creation, so the fact that it created anything doesn't make any fucking sense either. Well, the whole, the bargain is that preservation and ruin work together to create humanity, but also preservation is the only one to like give yeah, up part yeah. of itself anyway whatever why don't you explain the scene with the miss spirit and ellen so <laughs> the miss spirit comes to ellen we need to say preservation preservation yeah, preservation is the comes spirit. to ellen and the last time that preservation and ellen met uh in a in another hilarious moment preservation uh like prison shanked ellen like <laughs> real quick like real sneakily uh, and at suddenly, the end of the last book. At the end of the last book, uh, which caused Vin to like not save him. Whatever, who cares? Anyway, uh, Ellen is is wary of preservation, and and preservation points to uh, <clears throat> what does what does he point to? Like the mountains or something? Yeah. W- what is that supposed to signify, though? I don't remember at all. Yeah, who cares? It it is not important. Uh, preservation is trying to communicate with Ellen via points. And then Ellen is like, oh. And waves. And waves. But Ellen is like, oh, it can probably answer yes or no questions with, like, body movement. And so Ellen starts asking, like, yes or no questions about, like, the state of the world and, like, what to do. And whenever the answer is yes, preservation, like, flings his arms all around and, like, dances really (laughs) crazy to let him know. And then he, like, moderates it. So if it's a maybe, it's, like, a less less excited waving around and dancing but it is such a goofy scene that i don't think is supposed to be silly like it is the, the like this this like weird spectral ancient ghost like jumping around <laughs> like a cartoon and like waving <laughs> is fucking hilarious yeah but like you know clearly it's because ellen like needs to do something or know something He's trying to, the preservation is trying to communicate that the people who got sick aren't sick. They're, uh. Or, or that and also to not attack Phaedrex City. Yeah. Which, why? Because, like, that plays right into Ruin's hands or something. I don't oh, know. I guess killing. But anyway, uh, the, the, one of the things the Miss Spirit tries to communicate that, like, the audience, I think, figures out right away, because I got it, is that the people who got sick actually snapped. And were turned into uh, Mystics. Alamancers. Yeah. Because Miss Spear was trying to help and be like, oh, if you have more Alamancers. But, but like, still he, he turned them into Alamancers, but also had no way of telling that because, oh, it, it like tried to write something in the ash, but like Ruin changed the text. I did or like that. I did actually like that. Preservation tries to write something in the ash, and then what he writes is like, I'm going to fucking kill you big <laughs> death, time. Like, a death, fuck death. you. <laughs> And then Ellen's like, oh, okay. Clearly ruined change this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was pretty... I actually thought that was kind of funny. Um, but also... There was, there was another funny part earlier. Uh, we can just mention this now because it's not so important. Ten Soon is looking for Vin and he goes like back to Luthadel. And he finds... Kelsey goes back. He yeah. wants to find out where Vin is, but he can't talk to people like a dog because he has a dog body. So he finds where he left Kelsier's old bones and like becomes Kelsier again. Or no... Because he, he wasn't the original or Sir. Right. He, like, remembers, he, like, remembers what Kelsier looked like and then, like, becomes Kelsier again. So here's the Jesus figure reappearing to followers again. Yeah. And I thought it was kind of funny. I wanted it to last longer where he's like, okay, I have the information. And then he, like, turns to leave. And then, like, more, more people show up and, like, start asking him, like, yeah. Kelsier, you're back. What? He, like, feels like he has to, like, answer and, like, pretend. I wish there could have been a whole subplot about he's, like, this accidental 
Kelsier and like has to keep going up with it, sort of like a comedy of manners thing. But it's immediately dropped and he leaves. I did think that was funny. And another thing was funny, when Tensoon goes to... When he leaves there and he goes to uh, um, Orto to talk to Breeze, there is a funny moment where he's like, I'm not doing that again. And he just like walks up to the guards and is like, I need to talk to Breeze. And the guards are like, what? <laughs> As a dog. <laughs> yeah. <I'm> a dog. <laughs> yeah. Which is funny. I, I did like that. Yeah. Um, but then right away, Breeze keeps referring to uh, the dog. Instead of... Because he always says, like, my dear boy or my dear man. Breeze keeps saying, he says it every single fucking time. He refers to Tensoon as my dear doggy. Which, the first time he does it, he's like, my dear man. I mean, my dear doggy. (laughs) (laughs) It's terrible. It's just awful. (laughs) But anyway, none of that's really important. Well, I think it's also, you know, we're, we're like, honestly, 50 pages from the end of an 1800-page series. I don't know if, like, you know, structurally... Adding goofy, wacky moments is like the time to do it. It's very no. strange. Like the pacing is so weird. Cut tension. It's just like just kind of there. And I and I don't. I'm not entirely sure they're all intentionally funny, but they are. And then not in a funny way where it's fun to make fun of Brandon. They actually made me giggle. It's yeah. It's a it's a oh I had this idea for this moment so I'm gonna do it without regards to whether it fits yeah, or with, with the image or with. You know, the book as a whole. Yeah. Um, so Vin takes up all the powers of preservation and it's now basically has the powers of a god. This is like the, these are the powers that the Well of Ascension basically. She's like, oh, I remember this. So she has the power to like reshape the world. And she's incorporeal now. She'd like, she's not, she doesn't have like a physical body anymore. Yeah. She can like zip around the world. And, and so she like starts reshaping the world to try to like save it basically. Um, around this same time, it's revealed... So Ellen discovers that the mist sickness creates Alamancers. Ruin reveals to Vin that, like, the Coloss and the Kandra are all... Anything with metal spikes, it can directly control. So, like, it may has a huge bad guy army. But Ellen has a bunch of new Alamancers. And because Sazed found out where all the Adium is... Ellen, like, they all go to the Kandra homeland and ingest all the Adium, so now they're super powerful Alamancers, and they fight with Ruin's new big army. Marsh kills Ellen. Awesome. In this battle. Cuts his head off. Um, and then Vin realizes that, like, I Ruin is my direct opposite, the, my direct opposite of my powers. And now that Ellen's dead, I have nothing left to live for, so she, like, self-annihilates... To, like, kill both herself and Ruin. And they both die. And then Sezed is also in the area. And he is like, Ah, uh, f- faith is real. We're gonna get into the whole Sezed's faith thing. But, like, the plot points. Sezed sees the body of an unknown redhead guy who was Ruin. And Vin's body. And it's, like, leaking this power. And so he takes... He realizes... He was, after all, the hero of ages, because the prophecies talked about him specifically. Now it all makes sense. A hero of ages like a hero forever, not a hero that comes once in age. And he takes the power of both ruin and preservation, melds them together, the opposites become together, and he creates the power of harmony. And so he becomes the god of this planet, and he reshapes the world and makes grass happen. 
and trees and flowers and it's all green and changes the landscape where there's just like a bunch of holes in the ground right next to each other where all of our characters crawl out of and meet again yeah so the world is now like earth basically and spook is there at the end and he finds the body of ellen and vin who are now dead but lying together in a bed of grass and there's also a book and it's the book that Sazed wrote that explains all the lore, and that's where all the epigraphs come from, and so that Spook can start to, like, rebuild the world. And that's the end of the series. Yep. That's how it ends. Oh, and also there's a hint that there is actually an afterlife, because uh, uh, Sazed in the note to Spook says, like, I've actually talked to Vin and Ellen, and they're happy, and I think they deserve a rest. And it's like, okay, so there is a there is actually an afterlife. So partly Sazed has been a fucking idiot this whole time. Because it turns <laughs> out there actually is an afterlife. But who cares? Yeah, he was just deceived. Like, once he became a god and he knew it, then he believed in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's the plot. And that all happens in seriously like 20 pages. Yeah, it's crazy. Both Vin and Ellen die. All themes and ideas are dropped. Yeah. It's just like stuff. Nothing happens and then everything happens. Which is not good. And it's like supposed to be impressive. Yeah, it's not and good like, at all. And like on my first reread, I was... first My first read, I was impressed. On the reread... Like, because I remembered all these details. Other than what happens, there's, like, nothing else. No. There's, like, Sazed and, like, his whole faith thing where he's like, oh, all the religions I didn't believe in, like, had their own truth after all. Huh. That's just what faith is, I guess. Yeah, because he uses all of the, his knowledge of all of the world's religions to accurately recreate, like, fix what Rashik fucked up originally yeah like the map religion he knows exactly like where to put all the stars Mm -hmm. because of the star charts and he knows like uh the 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 proper uh for like vegetation and flowers he knows like what like the soil needs to be like because Mm -hmm. of this other religion that's all religions it's not like historical texts but whatever or scientific well the and because now he has both powers, so he can do anything. <laughs> you yeah, know, because like, like, like Rashik had just preservation, so he like was limited in what he could do, I guess. And so now the world is just, it just looks normal. There's just like it green just looks grass. Like Earth. Yeah. Which it just spook, looks like Utah. In the epilogue, chef's kiss. What, what a strange shade for a uh, color for a plant again it happened it literally happens like four times in this book yeah what a they strange a color for plants to be green huh huh anyway the old the only detail to remind anyone this, that it's different <laughs> i gotta find a different detail yeah that's it that's it so you know what was it all for yeah the my prevailing thought is like the first half is just like the illusion of things happening and that's like i think all of these books brandon sanderson loves a plan they make up it's the first half of the the first third of a book is about the characters assessing the current situation and making a plan and then the other the everything up to 20 pages of the book is like them doing office work so that the plan can work and then oh maybe something goes wrong but it's not too bad and then the plan works at the end yeah there's no um there's no like interesting 
Like, I couldn't just believe that Seiza just becomes God and fixes it all. <laughs> like, that's not, that's nothing. That's because that's, it's literally a deus ex uh, machina. <laughs> After his, like, fake struggle with faith. Yeah. It's not poetic that the guy who is struggling with faith becomes God because before he becomes God, he's like, oh, no, I, I was wrong. If if he was, like, stoutly an atheist and became God, at least there's, like, yeah. something. Well, but no, we no. talked about how being an atheist in this world doesn't make any sense. Yeah, because like, the concept re- of atheism, you know, there's no Christian, there's no, like, history of gods and anyway, I don't know. Yeah, because there's no religions anymore. There's just the one, and he was literally right. God. And so you have, if you don't believe in God, you're an idiot. It's like not believing, it, it, not believing in God in this world is like thinking the Earth is flat in our world. It's like no, <laughs> no, that's just wrong. I was thinking about this that Brandon Sanderson loves. Like I said, he likes planning. He loves sieges because oh my God, nothing yeah. has to happen. Like this whole book, a huge plotline is a siege. He loves when people do research. He likes when people plan. He likes people getting from one location to another because it gives them time to talk, think and talk. <laughs> well, it adds to the word count. And it adds to the word count. But also because there's like no plot because nothing can happen until the characters discover stuff about lore. Like everyone has right. to be a lore detective because they can't do anything unless they have information. So the whole plot, quote unquote, is them like... They're not even doing anything to figure it out. It's just them like thinking and reasoning and then like going to another place and then like talking to each other and thinking and reasoning. And it made me think like, what are we doing here? Like this isn't a book. It's like Brandon (laughs) Sanderson like created. I think this is what he talks about like world building. Like he created a world and like unfortunately there has to be a book with a story. Yeah. So he like made a puzzle and then wrote a bunch of people solving it, his own puzzle. It's like he's he created a puzzle that he then himself solved. And that's like interesting. Like that's supposed to be engaging or interesting or I'm supposed to take something away from that. Like I feel like he was like, "Oh, wouldn't it be cool if there was like this world where there were these two like forces and then like in the world like somebody managed to like combine the forces and like solve everything and then had the thought like uh yeah i wish somebody else would do that like i I wish that existed already and then he doesn't have like the ability to write an interesting story that takes place in that in that world because he's too focused it's this it's the thing when like you ask anybody about Mistborn, the first thing is like, well, the magic system is cool. And it's like, I don't give two flying fucks about the fucking magic system. What about the... I'm reading a book. I'm not reading, like, a spreadsheet. Like, I, I don't <laughs> yeah. care. What, what like, the, yeah, the world building is interesting. Like, I'm, you know, I'm not reading an encyclopedia. Yeah, I don't pick up the book to be... I'm not interested, unless it is, like, specifically a speculative, like, fiction book a la... Uh, like the man in the high castle, you know, where it's like, oh, what if I, oh, this world is interesting because like we can relate to it. The world is mm-hmm. interesting to us in a book like the man in the high castle, because we know the history of world war two and can imagine, you know, a very dark scenario in which the Axis forces won. And, oh, I want to read about like what this world looks like and, and all this stuff. But this world is, is all made up. So none of this, <laughs> like none of this well, is all interesting made up off and the rip. It's not, 
habit it's not like habitated by real people no there's no they're cardboard cutouts to facilitate bullshit ideas that he thought of while he was teaching creative writing at byu i was thinking about i think it's like lord of the rings has like the cimmerillion like i've never read the cimmerillion but that's (laughs) like a lore dump book right basically the cimmerillion is the is the bible to the lord of the rings is like uh myths and monsters Right. But, like, the Lord of the Rings is a full story with human yes. beings and a plot. <laughs> yes. So it's like it's like he wrote the Silmarillion, but then also wanted to turn it into the Lord of the Rings, but was more interested in the Silmarillion. Yeah, because in the Lord of the Rings, it's never brought, like, the... Y- y- you never hear of like the dwarf god, and I mean, yeah, I think Gimli, you know. But anyway, they they don't talk about like oh, it's like what flavor. A- yeah, there's no moment where like Gandalf sits Frodo down in Moria and is like, hey, do 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 you actually want to know who Glorfindel was, <laughs> or or do you want to know who Fingolfin was? And no, it's, like, it's no. not. They don't. No, it's not. They don't <laughs> talk about it. It's at. It's not Gandalf saying it to Frodo. It's. Tolkien putting chunks of the Silmarillion in front of every single chapter <laughs> yeah. of the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. 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 That does not, that's not how books, that's not a book. That's a, it's a lesson. It's like, a, and, and this, and I feel like that's what people think when they're, when they think about these books is they think about, you know, like, oh, hemalurgy is really cool. And it's like, I guess. But it's not cool when you'd learn about all the science of it. I was talking to... I can't remember if I was talking to you off mic or somebody else, but I said it's like watching a horror movie. And horror movies are scary before you see, like, the villain is a guy in makeup and a costume. (laughs) It's like, that's what this is. Like, these magical ideas are interesting, but he he will explain them to you to death and he's tricked people into thinking that like this hard magic system is good at all. It's like, is what makes the book good and interesting. Yeah. Like the idea being cool is not the same as it being cool in a book. Right. Like in the context of a story, like I could just list a bunch of cool. What if ideas to you? (laughs) But like, that's not a novel. No, that's just a that's just your crazy person's manifesto. <laughs> yep. Um, I also wanted to talk about the trilogy as a whole. Now, I think this book is. I think Mistborn is a Christian allegory. Mm. It's. I think it's like deeply conservative in the way that like not like politics but like values conservative in like the, in like the broad sense of like the status quo is there for a reason yeah and we have to like maintain it in a christian like in like a christian way like this is the, yeah. how the cosmos is and anything that's bad about it means that like some force is making it bad you know yeah it can't like be it's not the, the people no it can't be the people in the systems it's the evil 
the evil god. And that's and it's important to say that that's not a problem. Like the Lord of the Rings, the reason the world is fucked up is not because of the tax system at Minas Tirith. It's because mm-hmm. literally there's a dark god possessing nine uh, crazy people who are like <laughs> fucking shit up. But uh, it. That book doesn't... The Lord of the Rings is just about that. Mistborn is trying to also be like, well, the, there's like this slave class and they're being like mistreated by the nobility. But none of that... Ma- by the end of that, none of that fucking matters. Well, because in the, in, the, in the last book, it's all revealed that anytime anyone did anything bad in this world, it's because Ruin was like controlling them or influencing them. So they're totally yeah. off the hook. Like the Lord Ruler... He was just doing his best, and he just, like, made a slave class because Ruin was like, you should make a slave class. And it's like, all right. Which isn't, uh, by the way, like, destruction. Like, making people be slave. He's like, there's Ruin. A, there's a, yeah, there's like a, there's like a weird sleight of hand. So here's, here's what I think. Preservation and Ruin are not those things in these books. I think no, they are, not. like, nominally. Preservation is God. The Christian God and ruin is Satan. Right. Yes. <laughs> like that's I think it's a little one for one. Like preservation gave up part of himself to create human beings. And that's like a very Christian thing. Like it's Adam and Eve. It's literally Yeah, Adam it's and like Eve. <laughs> God created man in his own image. Right. Yeah. And who and we are inherently good. And like preservation but even flawed. though we even the flawed, yeah. Flawed because of the evil force. Right. Uh, and preservation is the benevolent God that's actually secretly been watching over them the entire time and trying to help them defeat evil. Uh, and ruin is not really ruin. There's like a weird sleight of hand where it's like, oh, ruins the power of change. Like, no, it's just like it's wants to destroy and inflict suffering and kill. And it also like can mind control people to, like, do bad things. Yeah, because they say Ruin is the power of change, but Ruin's quest is to, like, seriously blow up the blow up the world. <laughs> and yeah. what is there to change if there's no more world? Like, that doesn't make any sense. He's changed it once. Like, I, you would think that, like, this force would want to keep changing things. And also, this book is... Change is not bad. Change is how you grow as a person. Like... I mean, changing the world to not be there anymore, I would uh, have the hot take that that is bad. But one of the characters is like, no, Ruin's actually like the power of, of change. And that's why mm-hmm. that's and why preservation is the power of like keeping everything the same, which like if that was really what these forces were, it'd be interesting. And I think I remember when I first read these, I'm like, oh, that's conceptually interesting on the reread. Like that's clearly not what happened is not what's happening here. It's yeah. clearly just God and the devil. Yeah, yeah, and also it's it is funny. I I guess I didn't put this together. It is very conservative that the good power in the world is like to reject modernity and to embrace tradition. <laughs> it's just like that's that's what uh, I I it's so clumsy because I mm-hmm. you know you bring up an interesting point. Is it purposeful that the that he writes preservation and ruin to be neither of those two concepts in the actual <laughs> I don't think writing. So. I or think like conceptually his... it's interesting, but then like, is it because he's the, a poor the, writer? The the concept of change can't be like a black and white bad guy because like, it's like he's trying to have it be morally gray, but like in order to be morally gray, like in 
I think it's just so deeply Mormon that like you can't imagine a world that doesn't have absolute good and absolute evil. And like sort of the end of this book is trying to be reconciliation of those things. Like Sezed is like, there's some truth in all religion, which is a Mormon teaching, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and that like he's trying to, con- it's like the problem of evil. Like he's, it's like, it's his, it's Brandon Sanderson's real time faith crisis. Like he's in this insular religion. He's now, you know, his early thirties and he's like, Oh, the world, the real world is not exactly how I thought it would be. But I still believe all this stuff that doesn't seem to sync with the real world. And so to like, then like if God exists, then why do bad things happen? And so like this book seems sort of like an answer to that where Sazed brings the two powers to good, like basically good and evil together. And it's like, oh, that's the world we live in. Because, like, oh, it's all in God's plan. Like, of all, there's no good without the bad. Like, it's sort of like yin and yang, but it also is, wants to be an explanation for our world and the Christian worldview can coexist. That's how I interpreted all this. Yeah, and it's also not... He's not... Uh, Sazed should be a neutral entity. Like, if you're combining good and evil. Uh, that is not what he is. He's just good. He's harmony. Yeah, he's it's it's just it's good. Bad That's stuff not... still happened, but it's okay because he's good. Yeah, yeah, and it 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 brings up a lot of questions. And you know, I don't care if these are answered in Mistborn Era Two. I'm sure they are. But uh, it's like okay, so then now is Sazed going to stop like like murder? Is there like no, no. more murder? Or no, like... he he lets it be. Like, because yeah, I read the harmony. first novel, and there's like, there's some, there's like a religion props up that like prays to harmony, and like one of like one of the characters like speaks to it and hears says it basically. Yeah, and it's sort of like the why is there good? Why is bad things happen if the world seems so good? And it's like it's all okay. It's all in God's plan. Like that's sort of the which is such a such a corny easy way like such a corny like if you're trying to convince yourself that your religion and also the real world can both coexist and be true at the same time like that's what you need to believe and i there's also something about there's a i did some digging into like mormonism oh (laughs) their their belief one that like there's an epigraph at the beginning where it's like oh there's three realms there's a physical realm the cognitive realm the spiritual realm that sort of exist on top of each other and there's a there's mormon teaching that's like the spiritual what realm exists on top of our realm and if god wills that you would see it you could see it just as like you can see the physical realm so that like his whole like structure of like the realms exist on top of each other is like it's a Mormon right from Mormonism. Thing. Yeah. Um, also, another Mormon thing: anything written on metal can't be corrupted by the bad guy. Like that's just oh my Joseph God, Smith's you're right. metal plates. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Uh-huh. That's hilarious. That's awesome. Yeah. And I want to make it clear: like, I am not. You know, fucking Chronicles and Narnia are are sweet. You know, there, yeah. there's like not. It is not inherently bad. I mean, you know. Mormonism is 
all religions have their uh, their goofy aspects, let's say. Their uh, <laughs> incredibly, insanely problematic and harmful to society aspects. But I'm not saying inherently that like a piece of work that is religious is bad. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's interesting when it's not. It's like everybody. On it really seems yeah. like it's not on purpose. No, it's just like how he thinks about the world. Because nothing about this book, like everybody knows, the Lord of the Rings has like Christian undertones. And in same. It. And we mentioned this last time. Like same with Chronicles of Narnia. Like yeah. they're very blatant. Yeah, Chronicles of Narnia more so because I believe Tolkien is like, no, it's not an allegory. He's like anti-allegory. It's just like the story. <laughs> but it's like, come on, dude. Uh, but this, it, those feel on purpose. Like there's a one-on-one layering of like the pantheon of 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 gods in the Lord of the Rings to like aspects of you know the Holy Trinity in sure. our world, and it does feel purposeful. This does feel like an accident. Like yeah, it, it feels yeah, it feels like he was trying to write, and he says that he's like, I wanted to write a world that was felt like an alien world that wasn't anything like our world. So he came up. He came up with this, like with this ash and this volcano, and it's like the surface level, like on a surface level. Yes, the details you have, the details you have said, it looks like a different world. But like he, like at at least this stage of his writing career, can't help but infuse every like it with his own worldview of our world. It's crazy. I also learned there's a Mormon belief that, like, miracles, it's not that they're supernatural events. It's just we haven't learned the science to be able to explain it. Oh, allomancy. Which is, yeah. So I think I bolded here, like, everything can be explained. And that's the whole, I think, lore detective part of it, where it's anything that doesn't make sense, someone, somewhere, there's an explanation for it. Yeah, whether they've been lost to time, but also faith has to exist. So yeah. you need, but you and you can't know everything, but you have to believe that there's an explanation for it. Which that's like with that belief or that mindset, which it seems like these books like they come from that belief that everything can be explained somehow if you just have enough information yeah because everyone's constantly looking for information and the only thing that leads them to action and like winning is they learn about the world yeah and so knowledge is power to know if yeah if everything can be explained and if you don't know something you just have to have faith that it can be explained somehow by something by some power that's the perfect way to justify exactly the way everything is. Because, like, oh, there has to be there has to be a reason the status quo is the certain way. It's not that it can be changed or needs to be changed. I just don't know why it is that way. And once yeah. I learn that, then maybe I can change it. But maybe we'll never know. Like, that's what I mean by, like, it's deeply conservative. Like, it just wants to be yeah. about preserving what's already going on. And it's just so funny that it's the ending of this is literally just God solves all the problems because it's not, no one has to do anything because it will yeah. all work out because Brandon Sanderson is the ur God of this whole thing. Yeah. And he's deemed it's going to work out. So why would the characters have to do anything to make it work out? Cause it will. Yeah. Cause, cause he, I, I don't know what Brandon Sanderson's like relationship to other fantasy is, but like, it's just bizarre to me that, you know, 
to you, I keep going back to this just because it's like leagues and leagues and leagues better. The Lord of the Rings, like Hume, that's that that is a world where there are like gods and magic. But what makes it interesting is like. I know they're hobbits, but in the and, world and like of the blatant good and evil. Yeah, yeah. I know they're hobbits, but in the world of the Lord of the Rings, the hobbits are supposed to be like us human beings, just yeah. like stout, resilient creatures. They like two like just normal ass dudes, like br- are who are so like brave and and uh, uh oh my god, what's the word I'm looking for? Courageous, like like solve the problem and we find that emotional and and innately relatable because and, and we see them as people to like look up to and in our minds we create them as godlike beings frodo mm-hmm. and sam destroy the ring and and become heroes immortalized the time but like they're just people they're just yeah. people who are brave enough to do it and that's why it's so powerful and so good the lord of the rings is not like books can't just end where God figures it all out for the people. That's nothing. That's not an ending. That's a religious text. Yeah, that's that's what you write when you feel, when you believe that about our world. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't have to do anything. Anything bad that happens is the result of an evil force, a.k.a. Satan. And we just have to leave it to God to do what he thinks is best. Tolkien finds... <laughs> finds f- the concept of faith in the faith of your friends and your family. Aragorn and the company, spoiler alert, have faith <laughs> in Frodo and Sam enough that they're like willing to like risk it all at the Black Gate. And they're like, we're just going to fight until our friends solve it and we'll buy them time because they have faith in something corporeal and real in the concept of the book. These characters don't have faith in fucking anything until the end when they have faith in God. But that, that's not anything. Like, the, no. the faith in the Lord of the Rings is textual and powerful because we have faith in those same things. And and Aragorn has faith in, like, the godlike idea that the world will be saved. But, like, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And you can talk about that and explore that. Says it literally just has faith in fucking the in a guy with red hair and a and a little girl like that appear in front of him <laughs> and he just becomes all powerful it's nothing it's so frustrating that it's that it's just like the weakest most like bullshit no heart or soul in it ending at all it's insane to me what's well, the the whole says its whole thing is you don't he like learns that you don't need material proof for your faith you just have to believe and then immediately receives material proof yeah, for his faith by becoming god yeah <laughs> which is like what i imagine brandon sanderson wishes would happen to him yeah hence why it makes it into this book yeah otherwise why would you believe and then it's just like that's why it's like it seems like it's real his real time faith crisis <laughs> it's just it's just so it's just nothing it's not relatable and i was thinking like I think fantasy is the perfect genre for this sort of, I mean, not not like self-deception, but like sort of like you're not being honest with yourself about what you believe and what you're putting into the text because like it's a totally made up world that you make up. So you decide what's in it and what's not and what's important yeah. and what's not. And so like that in that way, it is a reflection of what you as a writer or author value and your own ideas 
because like it is a blank slate. And so like anything you put in it is going to be a reflection of what you think is important or interesting. His deeply conservative Christian values in that the fucking nobility uh, is, uh, they're not actually all, but not all billionaires are bad, actually. <clears throat> well, so, and the whole magic thing ties into the, uh, there's like a Mormon teaching called exaltation, which is like basically <laughs> human beings can like become like god this is like sort of where it comes from like you get like you get your own planet or like your own galaxy or whatever like in mormonism which you know obvious parallels of brandon sanderson create a whole bunch of planetary systems in his own fantasy world and he lives in a religion that believes in you like become god of your own little universe yep and it's sort of interesting that, like, because he's made this media empire and he's able to actually make his own little world on this world by making his own little fantasy worlds. Yeah. That was something I was thinking about, which is very interesting. It's just self-pleasure. Like, I was, I once had a person teach me about, uh, or they told me, they were a stand-up comedian and they talked to me. They're like, if you're going to get up there and just do stuff that makes you laugh and nobody else, just go home and masturbate. Because that is what you're doing. <laughs> that's what this feels like. Like it, That's what feels I was saying like, before. Like, he created a puzzle that he then solved himself. And the answer and feels was... feels very smart about it. And feels very smart about it. And the answer was that he just can not change anything in his life and what he believes. <laughs> <laughs> he was actually right. Like, that's the theme. The theme of Mistborn is that Brandon Sanderson was right. <laughs> About his world and life. And that bears out in the real world. Like, he has millions of dollars. He yeah. can create his own little... He has his little Utah compound with his multiple houses. And... Which is so weird and creepy, by the way. It's so strange. Yeah, and he writes his books, and he says, like, I'm going to stay in the Mormon church, even though they're anti-gay and anti-trans and I'm going to work change the system from the inside but you're not changing anything because you're just still doing everything you normally do yeah the beginning of Mistborn begins where a god is in control of the whole world and the ending of Mistborn ends where a god is in control of the whole world but it's a good guy at the end it's a good god now yeah and actually the first god was never really evil because the devil was whispering in his ear so (laughs) the world was actually good the whole time if only the pesky bad thing wasn't around, yeah. then everything would be great. Fucking stupid. Yep. I have nothing to say. I have nothing else to say about these books. Me neither, which I think leads us directly <laughs> into what I've been very excited for, which um, is... Uh... So, several years <laughs> after this trilogy ended, Brandon Sanderson wrote a novella called Mistborn, colon, The Secret History. I originally wanted us to read it and then do a bonus episode on it. I have no interest in reading Brandon Brandon Sanderson's prose uh, for a long time, if ever again. And I never want to read a book where a made-up word is capitalized ever again. (laughs) A a normal noun is capitalized. (laughs) That was bad, too. They were were making... uh, I saw a thread online where they're making fun of, like, oh, it's a noun verb. (laughs) <laughs> steel push, steel push. <laughs> iron pull a yogurt grab <laughs> a beer punch magic be a we need a hard beer magic system <laughs> so i was just 
thinking we would read the synopsis of that because it takes place simultaneously with the events of the full trilogy. There it is. Okay, I want you to open it. I want you to read a sentence by sentence if there's some way you can look and not read ahead. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. I'll just read. Okay, I got it. Okay, so this right. is... Uh, I just want to let everybody know this is a biased report because we are on the Coppermind... <laughs> Copper the Brandon Mind. Sanderson wiki. <laughs> yes, the Brandon it's Sanderson wiki. It's not that wiki. biased because even the summaries of the Hero of Ages reads extremely boring because all the verbs are like, Ellen ponders, they research, they walk, they talk about, they like... That's the summary of every chapter. Anyway. Uh, okay, so uh, chapter one. Kelsier stands before the Lord Ruler after his defeat of the Inquisitor and burns the 11th medal. This is the end of uh, the first Mistborn book, but for yep. the listener, if you don't remember. Uh, he sees a vision of the Lord Ruler's past as Rashik, but can't figure out how to use the information. <laughs> the Lord Ruler slaps him, and he flares the 11th medal. He sees a vision of Rashik taking the power at the Well of Ascension and changing the world. He dies. It turns out to be a painful experience. <laughs> In this new realm... What? In this new realm, things in the physical realm appear misty, except for metal, which shines. Lyris arrives, and Kelsier punches him. Despite being a... Oh, is Lyris a... Lyris is preservation. Oh, okay. Lyris arrives, and Kelsier punches him. Despite his being a god, Lyris appears to be weak and unstable. Other people, victims victims of the Lord Ruler's Purge, arrive in the realm with Kelsier and are almost immediately pulled away to the beyond. Is that heaven? Yes. So he's in... So he is in what they call the cognitive realm, which is like the realm of thoughts. And the beyond is the spiritual realm. After he dies, he's in this new realm? Yes. So he's okay. so Kelsier is alive in this cognitive realm. Okay. Uh, Alamancers take longer to leave. Sure. Laris explains that Kelsier saw into the spiritual realm when he flared the 11th medal and saw Rasik, Rashik's connection, another capitalized uh, noun, and passed. <laughs> Uh, Kelsier tricks Lyris into revealing the location of the well and he races there begging Lyris for help and staying alive so Lyris preserves him by making him part of the power of the well trapped like ruin but alive so also I just want to point this out that uh, none of this is important (laughs) (laughs) because what I imagine this is going is that uh, Kelsier was the preservation that was waving to Elland I imagine is how it was what will be revealed here um, that is nothing. That is that is nothing. That is like not the, a fun the reveal. The big thing is that like Kelsier is still kind of alive. <laughs> yeah, in this who, story and yeah. like playing a background role. Kelsier examines this is chapter two. Kelsier examines his prison and tries to break free but cannot. At the other end of the cavern, he sees glowing bits of metal. Uh, so he's in uh he's in the well of ascension right now. Yeah, he's like trapped. That room. So like yeah, preservation was like. Uh, looks like you're kind of it's you don't want to die, but I can't bring you back to life, so I can trap you in the well of ascension, like preserve you basically. The only example of him actually preserving anything, which, <laughs> whatever. Uh, at the other end of the cavern, he sees the glowing bits of metal, uh, lorassium beads, but I imagine that's just what the actual name of like the thing that turns them into the really powerful mistborn is. Yeah, I, yeah, I uh, think so. 
Some Inquisitors enter the cavern and dump the body of their fallen comrade into the well. They keep his spikes in a container of blood so they won't lose potency. That's actually kind of cool. Kelsier asks Lyris how the revolution is going, <laughs> but Lyris <laughs> is fading and doesn't answer coherently. Lyris reveals his plan for signaling his followers, using the number 16, the true number of metals in Allomancy. Yeah, but they don't know that, so that's nothing. <laughs> they don't know there's 16 metals, so that's fucking stupid. Kelsier watches as Vin kills the Lord Ruler, and the Lord Ruler shows up in the cavern, now in the cognitive realm. He tells Kelsier that he was only a pawn in letting Ruin destroy the world. He touches the power in the well briefly, then goes to the beyond. Kelsier sits down to wait. Okay, so who's the fallen comrade? The one that uh, Kelsier killed at the battle in the yeah, square? Yeah, yeah, I guess. Okay, who cares? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. I guess there's a part stuff, two stuff in this. Stuff has to happen while he's sitting around doing nothing. There's a part two in this 90-page uh, uh, book, by the way. But part two, <laughs> well... Uh, uh, Kelsier sits in his prison, bored. He starts to sense wisdom. He's like literally a spirit, and he's bored. This guy is so <laughs> fucking stupid. Sits in his prison, bored. He starts to sense whisperings and pulses from the power. He decides to gaze upon it, and he sees infinite decay and destruction. He gets really bored and starts talking to himself. <laughs> Hoyd? Who's that? Oh, is that the... Uh, I'm just going to click on the link, actually, because there's a link here. It's a big spoiler, but... Oh, is it? Is that a? Yeah. I didn't. I didn't see it, what it it's said. like. It's a Cosmere thing. Oh, so Hoyt is a character in like every Cosmere book. Is he just like a spirit of the universe? He yeah. He moves around to different planets and everything. Hoyt shows up and chides Kelsier for destroying the pits of Hatsin. The only perpendicularity. What junk? Uh, who cares? <laughs> the only perpendicularity that was easy to access. Hoyd shows his name is so Hoyd. Hoyd. So Hoyd is wit in Way of Kings. Oh, brother! Hoyd and per, shows and, and a perpendicularity huh? is uh, like a power thing that lets people travel between Brandon Sanderson planets. Oh no! I'd rather be dead than travel <laughs> to the perpendicularity. That was easy, but it's only. Uh, people who, oh my god, this is like bad, this is what if the Dark Tower was bad. This is what this <laughs> really? all is. Yes. Because uh, there's literally, they're not, they're called highways, but there's literally perpendicularities in the Dark Tower. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is, uh? so do, like, I just thought it would have been like characters. Does like Kelsier show up in the Stormlight Archive? Do you want me to confirm or deny that? <laughs> well, I feel like your uh, hesitation is answer enough. Does he show up and he's like, hey, I'm Kelsier I'm from Mistborn? No. Okay. I think he's in technically in Way of Kings. You just don't know who he is. Oh, okay. People who've read Mistborn and read this know that it's Kelsier because it's a guy with scars on his arms. Oh. oh, is he one of the... Can you just tell me who he is in the Way of Kings? He's the... I think he's in charge of the Ghost Bloods. It's like that secret society that, like, Shallan runs into or something. Oh, really? I don't remember. Yeah, there's, like, some secret society. And maybe he's not in Way of Kings. They don't have a meeting. That could happen in, like, Words of Radiance or something. I don't remember, but... But who cares? Like, I don't, Kelsier sucks. I don't want him to be in more books. <laughs> also, that's... Whatever. The, the only... Uh, Hoyt shows interest in the pool of power. Me too, brother. So Kelsier punches him when he... He's punching... He's throwing hands in this book, man. He's punching everybody <laughs> when he approaches. Hoyt easily beats him up, but doesn't actually damage his soul. That's good. That's like when you get into a bar fight and you just are really nice afterwards. They don't uh, feel... <laughs> they don't take soul I'll punch damage. your body, but not your soul. <laughs> 
Kelsier's pain is his own creation, his mind creating the pain that he expects. Oh, because he's not actually uh, corporeal. I see. Mm -hmm. Hoyd goes to the center of the pool and transitions to the physical realm. He triumph. Uh oh. He triumphantly grabs one of the. Wait, so is Hoyd evil? I, I, I feel like he's a neutral force. But right now he's doing something evil and weird. Or, or something like I think it's this all, like this all creates mystery. Like what is he, what is he up to? What are they doing? Sure. He triumphantly grabs one of the Lorassium beads and leaves. Lyris shows up and Kelsier tells him what happened. He refers to Hoyt as Sefe... Whatever. He lectures Kelsier on the three realms, physical, cognitive, and spiritual. While Kelsier doesn't understand much of it, he has a new reason to fight and live. Chapter 2. With a renewed sense of purpose, Kelsier studies ruin and his motives, riding out the pulses into the world. He occasionally sees the Drifter. Who's that? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's like Hoyd. Uh, anyway... He wonders about a certain Mistborn that Ruin pays a lot of attention to. Vin? Is uh, that who wait. he's talking? Oh, I'm it's gonna, highlighted. I can click just click it. Yeah. Oh, Zane. Oh, Zane. That's what Zane looks like? <laughs> 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 he wonders about a certain Mistborn that Ruin pays a lot of attention to. He realizes that Ruin is changing the terrorist religion, but doesn't know why. He already did that, though, I thought. Uh, he's infuriated when he figures out that Ellen is king, me too, and pouts for days. <laughs> but his craving for any sort of contact with his friends has him out on the pulses again. He sees Marsh as well and decides that while he isn't fond of him, he does love him. He observed This would be after that marsh uh betrayed them and is like evil now by the yeah. way just he's like I, I still love him he's a good guy um chapter three preservation is spending time more time near the well his appearance is becoming less human-like with a, half of his face missing and other parts of his body decaying away he has a plan in place that he can't remember he tells kelsier that the power must not be released but Vin will probably do just that, thinking it's right, just like Alendi would have. Ruin is confused, Vin, and made her distrust preservation. Lyris tries to stop her, but Ruin's... That's when he stabs... Or, no, I guess not. Lyris tries to stop her, but Ruin's tools are too strong. Kelsier suggests that he could take the power instead, but Lyris tells him that wouldn't work in his current state, and in any case, he doesn't have enough connection, capitalized again, connection, to him. Vin and Ellen enter the chamber, and Kelsier gets an idea to motivate Vin to use the power instead of releasing it. He tells Lyris to stab <laughs> Ellen, but he can't do it, so Kelsier grabs his arm and slashes Ellen for him. Vin is distraught, but she releases the power anyway, being deceived by Ruin. I'm not, whatever. We know what happens after that. Yeah. Chapter four. So that's the end of the second. Or no. Wow. The next no, thing. There's, yeah, another the the four. there's another chapter. Lyris gets Vin's attention and has her feed Ellen the last bit of Lysarium. Ellen's soul lights up as he is, capital I, invested with preservation's power and survives his wound by burning pewter. Vin is obviously happy, and Kelsier compliments Lyris, then leaves. And then part three, this is a 90-page book, part three. Uh, <laughs> Kelsier leaves his prison and goes to find his friends in Luthadel. He finds them at Keep Venture having a funeral. He wants to stop... You guys, what are you guys, are you guys having a funeral? Uh, he wants to stop ruin, but preservation appears and tells him that it is impossible. That that tells him that is impossible because ruin is entropy a universal construct. okay so that's not what ruin is i think he wants to be entropy but it's really just the devil yeah <laughs> kelsier mentions the plan that preservation can't remember now and offers to help wait a minute he's talking talking to them oh no he's talking to preservation he learns that docks and clubs were killed in the Colos battle kelsier is angry at preservation for his apathy and bitterness and grabs him as he does he sees into preservation's depths and feels his pain and love for his people so he winds up hugging him in sympathy kelsier also sees some people to the south preservation says he can find someone that might be able to help kelsier do the impossible 
Uh, <laughs> Chapter 2. Kelsier follows a tendril of preservation out of the city and to Lake Luthadel. There's a Lake Luthadel? I, I, news to me. <laughs> the lake I think Luthadel's like, on a lake in, a, in the map, what? but it, nev- but it like never comes up. Oh, no, actually. The lake rises a... like an island above the mists and feels more... Oh, is it, like, not real? The lake rises like oh, an island just... above the mist and feels more solid. Oh, there's a there's a lake not too far from Luthadel, and there's a volcano in the middle of it. Oh, that's kind of cool. Too bad it never it got nev- brought up until right. It never comes up, and we never... There's no descriptions of any landscapes, unless it's just like, oh, there's mountains. There, yeah, there's mountains and ash. There are even strangely substantial plants emitting mists on the stony surface. He continues on, and Preservation's tendril goes away. He happens upon a campfire with two people. Having no weapon, he decides to just walk in on them, and they both recognize him and wonder... So he does appear, like, as Kelsier. Yeah, in this realm, I guess. And they both recognize him and wonder how he's there. They introduce themselves as... Okay, his name is Chris. It is spelled (laughs) K-H-R-I-S-S and Nas. Chris lectures Kelsier on the 16 shards of... Whatever. Okay, so so that's so the ba- the background of that is there was one big god at the beginning of the universe, and something happened that shattered. That's Adolnasium, I think, and then it got shattered into all these different shards, and each shard is like an aspect of the universe. So like preservation is a shard, oh. uh, ruin is a shard, and like the the forces in like Way of Kings are also shards. Like each shard or several shards gets on different planets. Chris lectures Kelsier on the 16th... Chris. (laughs) (laughs) So this guy, or Chris and Nas... Chris lectures Kelsier on the ska. (laughs) (laughs) Are Chris and Nas, like, beings? Are they just dudes? I think they're... There are other people... I don't really know. There are other people also traveling between planets. Oh, okay. So he doesn't just see two guys who think that he's God and are like, Hey, let me tell you about these things. Yeah. They call them world hoppers. Oh, boy. Really? Yeah. Like, Hoyd slash Wit is also a world hopper. And Kelsier is, I guess, if he shows up in the other book. Uh, Chris lectures Kelsier on the same... Whatever. She arrived hoping to help, but Kelsier's destruction of the pits of Hatsin means she can't go to the physical realm, and the Eerie won't talk to her. When they learn of Hoyd's visit, they pack up to leave. Nas gives Kelsier his knife and tells him where the Eerie are. So what are those? I have no idea. I'm just going to click on the link. The Eerie is a... It's also spelled differently. Oh, the Eyre. Oh. Cosmere-aware Elantrian world hoppers. They have a fortress in the cognitive realm. Uh, sure. Uh, preservation... Kelsier... Chapter, uh, chapter 3. Kelsier asks preservation about the ire they're from another land who have died, but have not. What? They have built a city in a place between worlds. Preservation gazes into Kelsier's eyes, giving him a vision of godhood and the future. He senses that his connection to ruin is much stronger than that to preservation. In no possible future does he defeat Ruin, but he does sense some chance of Vin winning if he goes west. Preservation insists that Ire won't help, but Kelsier doesn't plan on asking. Uh, okay. Part four. Journey. Kelsier runs west towards the ocean following a canal. He knows he can't beat Ruin, but he can try to help Vin beat Ruin. Whatever. Chapter two. Kelsier pauses at a town he used to live in called Long's Follow. He realizes how long he's been running and suddenly feels exhausted. He remembers he killed several noblemen here in retribution for killing a ska girl. And he had for- and that had forced he and Mare to skip town. He and Mare? Him and Mare. Oh, this is and a the- fan-made 
summary. Yeah, it's not, I mean, it's not that better. It's not that much better. In the end, <laughs> it only caused more deaths after the Inquisitors came. Just like the death of the Lord Ruler, who would have prevented ruin from coming, will cause more deaths. He finds someone alive in the place where he used to live, and his thoughts turn to Mare. He asks preservation where she is, and the man in the room hears him. Kelser tries to talk to him, but he's crazy. Chapter 3. Kelser stops at a fire pit and learns how to start a fire with his mind. I'm not even reading the rest of that. Chapter 4. <laughs> Kelser finally reaches the uh, uh, ocean after traveling for weeks. He's collected several things along the way. Objects with a strong identity, uh, capital, capital I, I, assist better in the cognitive realm. He calls out for preservation, but there's no response. Instead, Ati shows up and starts monologuing on how the world's doom is inevitable and natural. Ati is the redhead the- who was ruined. Oh, I see. He tells him that the end is very near and that he can't do any good out here, which leads Kelser to conclude that the opposite is true. Part five, Iyer. Part five of this 90-page book. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Chapter one of part five of a book that's 90 pages. Kelser (laughs) travels across the ocean. There is no light, so he improvises a torch. He feels a tugging at his soul. He walks through a strange jungle. Uh, trees become stone-like structures. He sees a light ahead. Kelsier creeps up to an enormous glowing fortress. He touches the walls of the stone and sees another planet's green landscape. A green landscape? <laughs> huh? <laughs> That's a strange color for plants. That's so weird. Plants have to be gray. He can sink into the ground and walk through plants. Oh, that's good. <laughs> but he can't walk all the way through the stone wall into the castle. Okay, whatever. He gets into the castle. He eavesdrops on some guards and finds he can understand them even though they speak a foreign tongue he follows them in foreign tongue i wonder like what la- like what are the what language are they speaking they're like in a fake realm mm. the language of their planet that's kind of cool he follows them into another room where he finds more guards on a large yellow gem a woman enters the room and demands to know what's going on the guards report an intruder so they activate the device to see if anybody from threnody is about the woman is still worried, even with a negative response, and she goes to talk to the rest of the Iyer. Kelsier follows her, and he listens to their discussion about the preservation shard. The unknown intruder spooked them. Kelsier rummages around and finds books. Book describing a device that can enable someone to ascend when preservation dies. Kelsier, de- chapter 3. Kelsier decides that stealing the orb from the vault would be too risky and difficult, so he merely waits <laughs> until they come out with it. <laughs> no, I just I think I'll wait. After about a week, the Iyer and some guards leave the fortress on horseback. Kelsier stalks them. Every night, they stop and make camp, drinking something that restores the glow to their skin. Kelsier spooks Alanoe by pretending to be Ruin. He continues to terrorize them as they press on, convinced that since Ruin can only threaten them, he can't stop them. He causes full-out panic when he slices the leg of a horse with Naz's knife and creates a Ruin puppet from a flaming cloak. Alanoe gets separated from the main group and he fakes her death by wearing a rope from the fortress and melting into the ground. Whatever. Chap- chapter 6, He, like, hero. tricks them to get this yeah, he jewel them. or whatever. Chapter 6, chapter... Part 6, Hero, Chapter 1, 90 pages. Kelsier tries to run back to Luthadel in possession of the orb. He sees even worse destruction and deterioration than before. Three ska die when a roof overloaded with ash collapses on them. Kelsier asks one of them as they transition through his realm if it's... So when you die, you go right there? Mm-hmm. For like okay. a second, and then you go to your, to the... Because it's okay. like the, the cognitive realm is like where all your thoughts and I, where all the thoughts and ideas of the world like hang out oh and so like that lasts like you die physically and then like your mind hangs on for another second and then 
your spirit goes or something. I think that's the idea. After running for weeks, he suddenly hears Fuzz's weakening, weakened voice. Who the fuck is Fuzz? I don't know. Well, we gotta know. Oh, he's a shark. Oh, that's what he, that's what he calls preservation. <laughs> he calls him Fuzz? Yeah, he doesn't call him Larry because he's like a fuzzy white thing. I think he just calls him Fuzz for the whole book. <laughs> Dude, what? He tells him to go to Phaedrix instead. When Kelsier arrives, he's encouraged by the signs of life and activity. Preservation lays down a thin line of light for Kelsier to follow. Even the even the person they they keep calling him preservation because they know Fuzz is stupid. <laughs> lays down a thin line of light for Kelsier to follow. He tells him about the orb. Vin must take his power, but she can't because Ruin has her. Kelsier is led by the thread of light to a city square full of beggars and once again meets Hoyd, who shocks him but otherwise ignores Kelsier. Kelsier finds Vin there and desperately tells her to avoid Hoyd. Did that happens in like the book? Chapter uh, no, hang she on. Oh, she doesn't hear him because she can't. <laughs> Chapter twenty-seven. Uh, she goes the other direction, but Kelsier doesn't know if she actually heard him. Kelsier chases after Vin, apparently getting some help from preservation, and he knows that Vin knows that he is there as she is trying to shake him. Suddenly, Ruin's power attacks him, and Ati shows up. He reveals that the 11th medal was his ruse to trick Kelsier, and he taunts him some more. Ruin explains that nothing is destroyed, just changed, but that's not true because he's killing people, and that he and preservation are two sides of one coin. Kelsier tries to punch Ruin and is instead attacked. Chapter 2 Every time that Kelsier tries to get close to Vin to communicate with her, Ruin blocks his path. Ruin takes on the form of a spy. Oh, the guy, that guy? The, uh, that dude? That old man? Is he the spy? Or no, the, and Vin chases after him. Oh, no, it's like, they're like, oh, Yeoman has a Mistborn. They're gonna run after him oh, or something like that. right. Yeah. And Vin chases after him, leaving Kelsier behind. After Vin is, oh, it's, it's, it's Reen, right? When... Whatever. I know what you mean. Uh, who, yeah, who cares? Leaving Kelsier <laughs> behind. After Vin is gone, the Kolos attack Ellen's army. As the Kolos die, they enter Kel- Kelsier's realm. And he is shocked to see that they are human from all walks of life. Kelsier learns from a dead obligator that we already know that. We don't need to learn that again in the book. We know what the Kolos come from. Who cares? Preservation shows Kelsier a vision of all the people Ruin controls. Inquisitors, Vin, a man on the throne of Luthadel, Spook, and Marsh. He tells Kelsier to get a message to Vin. Don't trust anyone pierced with metal. That is hilarious. Do you think that's how Brandon Sanderson thinks about, like, people who have piercings? <laughs> He's like, no way, I'm trusting you, pal. You never get a real job. <laughs> and Kelsier tattoos ser- have a little bit of metal, so there's also <laughs> tattoos. <laughs> Kelsier searches for days for a semi-insane soldier that he can communicate with to get the message to Vin. Fortunately, the man garbles the message and they merely start a brawl. Ruin arrives and taunts Kelsier again. He decides that he might be more effective fighting Ruin somewhere else. Chapter four. It's all like we can even through the summary. It's like so repetitive. Yeah, it (laughs) is. Like you go here, they try this, it doesn't work. It's just like a way to give more information about this world that's like supposed to. Like if you already care about it, it could be interesting. But like, it's not like learning more about it makes you care about it more. It like fools you into thinking you care about it because it all fits together, you know? Yeah. Uh, Chapter four, Kelsier feels preservation dying, determined he smashes the ore. Preservation talks to him, gives him some advice. He says to to him to survive. Kelsier's the survivor. How poetic. Kelsier takes Mm -hmm. the power of preservation after some struggle. Well, that's good. It was just some struggle. (laughs) Ruin shows up and Kelsier attacks, but his attacks are ineffectual. Ruin laughs. 
and explains that Kelsier is essentially a memory of a person and can't control the power. Kelsier sees black lines tying him to ruin. He tries to communicate with those who are open to him, but it still doesn't work. He finds that he can read people's thoughts. What? He, <laughs> he watches as ruin accelerates the end of the world and can do nothing to stop it. Everything he tries is blocked by ruin. He desperately tries to warn Vin and is horrified to see that she is spiked. The earring! Oh no! <laughs> ruin, ruin shoves him away. Kelsier finds Marsh and listens to his thoughts. Uh, Kelsier decides not to confront Ruin. Chapter 5. Kelsier searches for places that Ruin is paying less attention to. He finds Spook. Uh, Ruin is trying to get Spook to murder. Kelsier intervenes. Uh, we do actually see this in the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Kelsier approaches Spook and knows that there are lines of connections between them stronger than those for Marsh and Vin. As Ruin rages on, Kelsier says hope to Spook over and over. Uh, we do hear that in the book. It's 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 dumb. His spirit is wounded. Kelsier then yells survive at Spook and springs into action. Ruin doesn't stop Kelsier, but he does start to burn down the city to cover his failures. Says it is also there, but he looks worn down too. Uh, Kelsier does a bunch of bullshit. And then that's, how, that's why Spook enters that building, even though he can't burn pewter anymore. Yeah. Because um, he's so brave. Kelsier lounges on some green grass and Spook wanders over. Kelsier tells him this is a half dream. Spoke, oh, yeah, this is also in the book from Spook's perspective. Spook was devoted to Kelsier and both had broken spirits but have resisted ruin, building a strong connection between them. Kelsier tells Spook he is a hero and he is proud of him and he seems pleased by that. Kelsier urges him to get the message to Vin regarding spiked individuals. Chapter 7. <laughs> That's spiked the gender neutral. <laughs> spiked individuals. <laughs> yeah, I got, a ca- I got a chai latte in the spiked individual who served it to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god chapter 7 Kelsier watches as Gordel leaves Urto with a message inscribed on metal Ruin mocks him and summons his minion Marsh who quickly dispatches the messenger and reads the message to Ruin Kelsier oh yeah we didn't say that but Marsh really really fucks up this guy Gordel in the in the book it's really violent uh, Kelsier thanks Gordel as he passes through the cognitive realm and uh, finally Sorry, gives up hope. He then realizes that Ruin is not complete without the Atium, so there is still hope. He watches as Vin fights all of the Inquisitors and is then tortured by Marsh. He attacks Ruin in order to distract him. It works. Oh, so then that's why Marsh is able to yes, remove Mark his has, hearing. And I don't know if we went over this. Like, Mar- like, Spook sends the letter being like, don't trust anyone with metal. Marsh intercepts it and is trying to read it out loud. Yeah. And then so it, like... I also don't know how much of this was planned. Like, it also seems like there's stuff in this book that, in Hero of Ages, that had to happen. And so, like, they might seem like plot holes, but here's a novella that explains all the plot holes. Yeah. It's like Star Wars books. It's like, no, they're I, not plot I holes. Came, I came across a post about these books where someone said someone was like complaining about like some weird inconsistencies which like if you're said something's like a hard magic system and all of a sudden there's all these like exceptions and inconsistencies you're like well what gives and the the comment was like everything you don't like will be explained in later books (laughs) and like That's that's an insane or and then another comment was like if there's anything that seems weird or random that happens, just know there's an explanation for it. Like, that's not... I refuse to do that. Well, and, like, that's not interesting. Like, because there is weird and random stuff that happens that the explanation is it's bad writing. Not right. that there's a world, <laughs> yeah. you know? So, you're like, what's bad writing? What's 
on purpose to like be a plot hole that explain gets explained in another novella you need to read and buy a pdf of for Don't ho- the brain and just ho- hoarding your rugs and punching that dog you know <laughs> uh kelsier is in agony and feels the pull of death again he holds on and decides not to die a choice available to him by the virtue of having ascended what hang on what what did he do what do you mean he ascends oh because like he took on preservation oh right right his soul is deeply wounded but in time it repairs ruin was too distracted to finish him off kelser watches the final battle with the coloss and vin's struggle ellen shines brightly at the moment he burns atium and duralamin Preservation and Ruin's powers are released as Vin sacrifices herself to defeat Ati. Uh, Kelsier considers taking the powers himself. Ellen arrives, and together they watch Sazed take on both powers. Oh, in the cognitive realm. And yeah. they, which seem to belong together. Vin comes next, and they hug. That is actually kind of sweet. Even mm. though I hate all these people, I do like it <laughs> when people hug. Uh, Ati comes next, and Kelsier punches. He said, boom! He's like, he's like I want to hug, too. <laughs> and he fucked that guy up. Uh, Sazed comes and offers to send her back, but Vin seems to know that won't work. What? Why not? He's got it. In any case, <laughs> she wishes to move on with Ellen. Vin thanks Kelsier for all he's done for her, and she follows Ellen into the beyond. Chapter 9. Kelsier watches the world be destroyed and then reborn. During the process, he is able to see all three realms, but when it's over, he is once again trapped in the cognitive realm. Sazed arrives and says that he cannot bring them back, presumably Vin and Ellen, because he cannot reach into the beyond. Oh, because he's only the god of this planet. Yeah. He's, like, not of the universe. Kelsier yep. asks Seiza to heal Spook and make him a Mistborn. Uh, he asks if there is a way to return to the physical realm, but Seiza says there is not. Kelsier decides that Harmony is a terrible liar. <laughs> Epilogue. This is a 90-page book. Kelsier <laughs> convinces Spook to play with hem- to play with hemolurgy in order to extend Spook's life and maybe bring Kelsier back to a body. And that's it. Yep. So these are. Uh, so this was. That, so this was all bullshit. Um, yeah. How do you feel about all that? I'm glad we didn't read it. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, me too. So, so that is okay. So, oh my god, there's so many. Sorry, there's a lot floating in my head right now. There is nothing in these three books to suggest a larger connected universe. Is this book *Mistborn: A Secret History*? the first time any of this stuff gets brought up when did this book come out he published this in 2016 oh so no because the no because then like he did way of kings so it's like there's a loose plan to have it all connect so this came out in 2016 oh we said it's a 90 page book it's a 151 page book oh of course of course and of course that means it needs to have five parts and a prologue and an epilogue (laughs) yeah a prologue in the epilogue where the epilogue is just the end of the epilogue of the other book. I feel, having read these again, it's just an endless accumulation of details about a world and like learning fat. This is like people who like this or who connect with it are like people who like learning a bunch of facts about things. <laughs> Divor- like people who like memorize like world war two facts yeah you know yeah and like oh i don't want to like read a story about people's struggles and like their ptsd like i just want to know this battle happened here and this battle happened here and then this person moved the things over there like individually nothing is compelling but like 
you add enough stuff and at some point for people to like, oh, that's cool. Or they go like, oh, maybe there is something here. But there really isn't because there's not like, I don't know. I don't connect with these characters, these people, or it's just a bunch of details that are in my head. I wish I liked this because this is this. If this was done well, it would be right up my alley. It's the idea. And I think when you when people who like I feel like I was not tricked, but like seduced by the idea, like, oh, conceptually, this is cool. So I'm going to keep finding out more about it. Seduced is and that's a good why like the summary works because it's like oh conceptually this is cool but then you read it in a book form written by this author and you're like oh Ugh. yeah yeah I like the idea of them all being connected but it it really is like bad dark tower like that's insane I did not know it was like connected to the point where like the characters are going in between <laughs> books that is just <laughs> I hesitate to say the word bad ripoff but that is pretty funny like. <laughs> And also, it's like not, you know, the Dark Tower, the Gunslinger, was not the first book Stephen King wrote. You know, like <laughs> he did not. Uh, uh, it it was when he and was that nineteen. Gunslinger, Gun, Gunslinger came out in nineteen eighty two. Yeah, and is also like not that first one is like not really connected to anything. It's the a few down the road, uh, where they start connecting, and it's like. Stephen King at that point had written Salem's Lot and Cujo and The Shining uh, and The Stand, uh, you know, w- whether or not you like The Stand, notwithstanding. But, uh, like, he had a body of work to, like, build upon that. Brandon Sanderson is, like, trying to do it at the same time. Like, the reason The Dark Tower is cool isn't because it's, like oh, whoa, look at the reference. It's like a cool, like, conceptual idea to, like, have this thing be connected to all of these weird worlds where most mm-hmm. of them do do take place in Maine, but that's fine. The- well, and I think the appeal of this, like, it is, like, sleight of hand. We're like, whoa, that's cool. It's like yeah. the same people who, like, line still line up for, like, Marvel movies and Star yeah. Wars movies. Like, oh, that's a reference to this, and that's a reference to this. I read a quote by Roger Ebert talking about, like, I think he was talking about Star Wars or something. Like, most fans aren't fans of the thing. They're fans of the fandom. It, like, creates a relationship with people that they can just know details about this world or this thing. So they don't actually have to, like, talk to each other, like, on a human being level. Yeah. Like, it's it's not the material. It's... The fact that I know a lot about material. And Brandon Sanderson gives people a lot of details to remember and know. And, like, the more you read, the more of an expert you become. So the more you can be like, haha, I know all this stuff. The more you, you are then... cursed with ancient knowledge <laughs> that drives you to insanity. It's a fascinating, uh, it's a fascinating phenomenon. This but whole also, Brandon you know, Sanderson stuff. It, the Stormlight Archive, that being, like, a ten-book epic... Knowing that there's all this shit in the background, none of it matters because it's not about the like, like after the Stormlight Archive, he's not going to stop with this bullshit. Like, you know <laughs> what then, I mean? Then you then you think about look. So what is everything about? You know, and it's yeah. like I've read other books where like you get hints of like, oh, this like what's the whole series about? Like you get hints of like, oh, they have an opinion on something or trying to express something, but like. At the end of the day, what does it mean that preservation and ruin became one and now it's harmony? And yeah, that who cares? Then... Because this, we're never going to... 
it's just on this one planet in this whole universe. You've given us small stakes, and now I want to know, like, okay, what's the bigger, like, because that's the, this is not interesting. So, like, and, what's and, the And if you have to story? read two trilogies and then two pentalogies of, like, middling prose to get it, like, it's is your story it. worth it? No. Or is it just a bunch of, it's accumulation of details the way Brandon Sanderson accumulates magic cards just on yeah. tables in big piles because he thinks they're neat does uh is the stormlight archive like heading towards like a battle of the cosmere is like that what that is or is it just like this just takes place on this planet i don't know the current series seems like it's very tied to this one planet and See, the forces again, on the like, one planet it's spend... like it's like this mistborn trilogy where it's like oh here's these two forces on on the Star- Stormlight planet, there's three forces. So, <laughs> so like, I don't care about that then. I'm not reading ten books about bullshit that happens on one planet when I know that there are, there are like, these bigger forces at but, play. But you care about the characters. But no, you I don't. don't because... Because, but you don't because they're boring and poorly yeah. written and one-dimensional. And too small. Like, there's... Dude, like, Vin... Or... or a uh, ham, a ham is not. Go- it does not affect any of this bullshit at all. Like once I learn the stakes for the world, this even seems more pointless. Well, and the answer for a better author would be like, but like, does don't you get something, some connection from that character? They their their story like taught you something about yourself, or like, wasn't oh, that beautiful and noble? But like, none of these characters have any of that. So no. it's like, why? Like, you said something in the last episode, like, you're reading these books, and you're like, what are we doing here? <laughs> and it's like the same, it's the same thing. Like, you see the trilogy, and then you'll see all these, de- like, beyond just a bunch of details about a world that was created by a guy, like, what's, what are we doing? Are all 16 shards poor names for good and evil? Uh, kinda. Because <laughs> I just saw one is devotion, and I'm like, there's no way it's really devotion. Like, it's absolutely, you'd be reading it and be like, this is not what devotion is. Cause he- uh, in in Way of Kings, the, the big one is, the good guy is Honor, with a capital H. And the, the bad guy is Odium, which is like hate or like passion or something. Like, it's vague. Like that's the thing. Like it's all speci- it's all super specific until it needs to be vague in order to not create to, a conflict. Not to show my hand here. Is odium a real word? I don't like. I think it comes like you know the word like odious. Yeah, yeah. But honor is a real. Oh, word. odium is a real word. General or widespread hatred or disgust directed towards someone as a result of their actions. That is not the opposite of honor. I just feel well, like I guess they're not all technically opposites. Oh, just whatever yeah. shards happen to be on a get to a certain planet or something. So like the shards all broke apart and landed on different planets. I guess that's convenient. What if there's a planet where there's no shards and then that book is actually good? Are there sci-fi <laughs> books in the Cosmere? Well, I don't think there's. I don't think because uh, the shards are like God, so there aren't. There isn't any life on any planets that don't have shards. I think. Are there sci-fi books in the Cosmere? I don't know. Uh, I've heard um, Mistborn Era 3 is supposed no. to be like a, cy- a no. cyber like computer no. thing. <laughs> no, no, no. No, it can't be. This can't be. <laughs> cyber pewter. I think 
Pushing on computers or something oh, like no! I don't know. Like it's like bad, <laughs> bad, evil neuromancer. <laughs> I guess I don't. I just don't know. It's like George Lucas. It's like why there should be no more white men writing any books anymore. Brandon Sanderson, I, he did it. He cracked the code. They're I told all you so that, good. I told you this offline uh, where I think Brandon Sanderson is like George Lucas, where it's like yeah. someone needs to have the reins on him or else it just all goes to absolute nonsense. And you're like, what? What are you doing, man? Yeah. Why? It's, why? There are. So I just want to, on a, on Wikipedia here, I just clicked on this link that said investiture. Um, I don't care or know what that means, but on the uh, co- table of context contents on section 8 uh, 8.3 says end dash negative investiture these are supposed to be adventure novels I'm not gonna <laughs> I don't care what end negative inv- that sounds like stock market jargon it's it's like this Silmarillion like it's like if in order to understand the plot of in order <laughs> it's like if in order for Frodo and Sam to even start their journey, they had to completely learn about the Silmarillion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. What a. I guess that's it, huh? Yeah. That's it. Well, folks, uh, you know, I. You know, next time we meet, uh, we will be discussing. Uh, if you want to read along, we will be discussing The Dispossessed by one Ursula K. Le Guin. Uh,. I, I just want you, the listener, to know that when we started this Mistborn adventure, we did not know that there was going to be such a, 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 a visceral a negative reaction <laughs> combined with the greatest article of all time. Uh, and me- the greatest slash meanest uh, weirdest article of all time <laughs> about Brandon Sanderson. This podcast is not a hate books podcast. <laughs> this is not a this is not a Brandon Sanderson hate podcast. He seems like a lovely guy. I don't Next think his books are very good. <laughs> or uh, two weeks from now, we will not be so angry. Uh, and I uh, I hope you're excited for the dispossessed because I got to tell you, I am. I cannot wait to read words written by not this guy. I didn't even get to go through my list of nitpicks about oh, Hero of Ages. Pl- let's do that. Let's do that to close it out. I feel like that's a good... Because we did it last time. Yeah. There was a section where uh, Vin uh, like sort of realizes that Reen, the abusive older brother, actually really loved her. Uh, very Seems like abuser apology. It's very strange. Yep. Like, oh, being an abuser was okay. Because he actually really loved her the whole time. <laughs> yep. But he was controlled by an evil force. Everyone's always like, this should be impossible based on what we know about the world. But, like, everything changes all the time to learn about the world. And so, like, they're all artificially like, okay, th- now we know everything. Yeah. And like, but this doesn't make any sense. How do I know anything about the world? <laughs> okay, now we know everything. Uh, Stasen realizes he loses his faith twice in the second half of this book. <laughs> he does it once on page 392. He's like, I lost my faith. And then on page 432, he loses his faith again. This is like the collectively sixth time says it loses his faith. This is the least convincing apocalypse ever. Uh, it's supposed to be an apocalypse. And other people in areas aren't mentioned. There's like one sentence where he goes, the northern dominance is in chaos. The southern dominance is burning. I was like, it'd be great if we saw that or anything. You know, nope. not just people having conversations. Um, there's other continents, presumably, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, presumably. Uh, 
Seizid says he felt he was betrayed. And I was like, by what? How? By like the fact that his religion, he lost his faith, so he was betrayed. He was betrayed because like Tind will die, but like people die. Like, I don't know. No, she, uh, you betrayed her by people. We've, we've discussed this ad nauseum in the first part. Brandon Sanderson does not know what the word betrayal means. <laughs> oh, I want to bring this up in the whole trilogy. Vin was never betrayed once in her goddamn <laughs> life. <laughs> It never happened. I've been keeping an eye on this since book one. She has never actually been betrayed. She's always felt like she was betrayed. Like she's like, oh, Reen left me. But turns out he was just captured. Like she just learns that she's never been betrayed in her life. So there's no reason for her to trust him. Anyway, (laughs) uh, we find out where the Mistwraiths come from. It's because the Lord Ruler like turned all his best friends into goo monsters so they could be immortal. (laughs) Do you remember this? Yes, I do remember that. Uh, which is weird. It's like he—it feels—it really stinks if he came up with these crazy goo monsters and had to come up with some explanation for it. So like, uh, yeah. the Lord Ruler, his best friends with his same powers couldn't be around, so he turned them into goo. <laughs> he into didn't want to kill them. Goo. He didn't want to kill them, but they could be powerful, so he—they he, became goo. Uh, one chapter ends when Vin realizes like Ellen won't attack because he's a better person than I am. Oh, I remember that. I thought that was terrible. Yep. Ellen's constantly not attacking, and then when he decides to attack, he immediately decides not to attack, and that's his whole plot arc. <laughs> Spook, at one time, he gets in this cra- all this crazy city is burning hijinks, and he's like, I guess I was only supposed to get information, and I actually did get some important information. I didn't realize how important it was after all. Dude, what the fuck? Uh, on pa- 100 pages from the end of an 1800-page series... Ellen turns to Ham and goes like, is this right? Is anything we're doing right? There's a, uh, on page 449, there's a horribly ableist joke against Set. <gasps> oh my god, I forgot to bring that up. Yeah, that's f- so fucked. Did you write it right, down? Right, uh, yeah, right after, after, after he goes like, Ham, is anything we're doing right? Like, this doesn't feel right. Ham, Ham smiled. Set's going to be furious. Ellen Shrug. He's a paraplegic. What's he going to do? Bite us? Come on. Let's get off this rock and go deal with Luthadel. <sighs> yep. Um, the, the terrorist prophecy about Seized being the hero of ages was correct, but like also prophecies can't be trusted. And also, where did that prophecy come from? Yep. Yep. Pro- none, none of the prophecies are real except the one real one. <laughs> for That's some reason. work. On page 476, Ellen says the line, We never did figure out what all this mist sickness was all about. Like, as if he's aware he's in a book that has things they have to figure out. And he goes like, huh. We Like, literally, he goes, huh. We never really did figure out what all this mist sickness was about. And then he immediately finds out what it was about. Yep. Uh, Breeze... His girlfriend, Elrianne, and Set, the paraplegic, do nothing in this book. In a book where no one does anything, they do literally nothing. Yeah. Uh, on page 523, 23 pages from the end of an 800-page series, Sazed utters the immortal immortal line, There isn't really a rush, is there? <laughs> <laughs> He's like doing research on the Kandra stuff. We're 23 pages from a trilogy. A main character says, There isn't really a rush, is there? <laughs> insanity like what I don't know if that's being like ironic or it's supposed to be funny 
but like it's only funny if they're aware they're in a book that's almost ended. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's only funny if it's meta. <laughs> it's weird and bad. Weird and bad. That's all I got. Wow. Wow. There's no rush, is there? <laughs> 23 pages from the end of an 1800-page series. There isn't really a rush, is there? <laughs> that is that is a microcosm of how stakes and plot are treated in this book. Yep. Yep. That's all she wrote, I suppose. I'm uh I'm happy now. <laughs> I know. I find I feel I'm like free. I can be happy. I'm free. I'm allowed to be happy again. <laughs> All right. See you all next time. Yeah. See you next time for the dispossessed. Uh, the rest of this podcast in its history will be better than this. <laughs> we, well, what we, a cannot, start. we cannot overstate enough how little, how we did not know what we were getting into. Yes. With this book series. I thought it'd be a fun little romp. Um, I misunderestimated how much I was tricked and deceived. How much I was betrayed. betrayed. I was betrayed by these books by Brandon Ruined. Sanderson. Well, you uh, have a big metal spike sticking out of you. Ruin actually compels you to make us <laughs> read these books. Me the whole time. Yep. That's why I keep uh, inventing slavery. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm off the hook for that. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, you're not a bad guy. Turns out you're not a bad guy. We, we still get to profit from all the stuff the slaves did, but we're not bad guys. No, we're not bad guys. The, the devil is controlling us. It's all okay. <laughs> it's all okay. The devil is controlling us. Ruin made us read Mistborn. <laughs> he did. Ati is his real name, Danilo. And I'll never forgive oh, him for that. Oh my god. <laughs>